Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Welcome along to the build-up on Balls.ie, your weekly look ahead to the sporting weekend in association with Labrooks. Now, it's we've passed the gap week of the Six Nations, the sun is out. Stephen Ferris is back in a t-shirt for the first time this year. That must mean spring is here. Stephen. Spring is here. Yeah, it's been. Uh, it was miserable up here yesterday. Like I don't know what it was like across the border, but it lashed down all day. But Same the as yeah. The temperatures rising. I think it's up to about twelve degrees now. So we're uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking good. It'll nearly be tops half. So well, uh, rid of the t-shirt altogether. Definitely, and look, there's a, you know uh, some jurisdictions have a, an end in sight in uh, in the old lockdown era. Uh, some jurisdictions don't. Uh, you can guess which one me I'm in and which one Stevie's in. But uh, <laughs> we've a lot to talk about this week, Stevie, because the Six Nations is back. Um, there's been a lot to, a lot happening over the, the couple of weeks. I, it actually it's funny we talked before the start of the tournament about whether this would feel like a Six Nations, and even just the kind of the 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 storylines in the press the kind of constant little bits of news here and there every day it really does actually as we kind of hit the halfway point feel like a pretty normal six nations i don't know whether it's a sad thing that we've all just got used to the fact that sports happening in empty stadiums over the last year i think that's definitely adding to it make that people are starting to get used to it um we're all watching football nearly every night of the week well i certainly am anyway, <laughs> yeah. with all the different games on it uh but you're right the the narrative is is changing all the time with the rugby um, there, there's there's so many stories that are coming out, good, bad, negative, positive, uh, everything that seems to be coming out. People are jumping all over it, um, and a lot of that's thanks to social media. There's so many opinions mm. out there, uh, pre, during, and post game that everybody can interact with, um, everybody can argue with or agree with. Um, and I think during this Six Nations, I know certainly when I go on to Twitter or on to social media. Like the, just the feed is just continuous with 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 people interacting in games, and it's certainly add, adding to it. Um, and so far, the championship, unfortunately for Ireland, it hasn't went our way in mm. the first couple of games. But you know, we can change a lot this weekend and and try and drive that positivity back up once more with a good victory over over Italy away from home. Yeah, so trip to Rome this weekend then is like, you know, back in your day, it was probably one of those ones where this was the year where it wasn't that easy always against Italy. That's, you know. With all due respect to them, those days seem like they're gone, at least for the time being. So what does success look like for Ireland this week then, after what we've seen the last couple of weeks? There's not there's not much they can do to like set all our minds at ease, I suppose, ahead of the last two weeks of the Championship. But what would you look for as a positive um, from Saturday? Yeah. Like, if Ireland don't win by more than 15 points, like, I think the media will jump all over it again. Um if they're not going to score 30, 40 points in this match, then of course we'll we'll say that you know the two, the two teams before them were able to do that in the competition. Ireland's attack still struggling. You know, Italy offloaded the ball ball more than we uh, more than Ireland did. Um, so I think yeah, there's got to be points on the board. There's got to be um, our attack has got to function a lot better. We've got to have more continuity in everything that we're doing. I think there's got to be more clarity. Uh, in our own individual roles and responsibilities when it comes to plays. Um, I think there's also got to be personal responsibility for, um, for for where the team currently is now. And those players have to step up to the plate this weekend. 
Um, they got to bring more physicality for me to the match. I think they, they don't break the game line enough to make the next phase or two or three or four that little bit easier. They do create a few chances, but we're not entering, as stats are showing, the opposition 22 enough. So, yeah, there's lots to work on here. But looking at that England-Italy uh, game, there's so many decisions went against Italy that day. Yeah. Dylan Farrell, um, was it a high tackle? Was it a couple of phases later, it was an intercept. Um, Johnny Mays hurdling over the tackle, that could have been taken off the scoreboard. So when you take off 14 points off the end score, Italy were very much in the game for large parts. They probably weren't going to win it, of course, but it, you know, it would have taken um, a bit, bit more off England's performance in that match. So, like, the handicap this week is 22 points in this game yeah. at the minute. Like, 22 points is a lot. Um, and, and I think Italy plays some attractive rugby at times. They just have the odd brain fart where, you know, coming up to halftime, they're keeping the ball alive and, you know, around the halfway line and then all of a sudden they get turned over and the opposition score. And before they know it, they're like, oh, shit, we're, we're now two scores down. Mm. Instead of just getting the ball out of play, get in at halftime, assess things, come out, get off to a good start. And Mick, like in the teams that I play with with Ireland and when I come up against Italy, like the team talk was, they're going to give us a hard game for 50, 60 <laughs> minutes. And then, no, we'll, we'll get into them the last 20. Yeah. Like, I heard that hundreds of times. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's true. Like, it is true. Um, and just get on top of them, um, wear them down, and, and hopefully, you know, things open up a bit more. Ireland should have a couple of players coming off the bench that will be able to exploit holes, um, exploit uh, some of the, the Italians' weak weaknesses in defence um, and hopefully they can get up to 30 or 40 points but Mick, success what does it look like this weekend? Mm. In my own opinion, it's a 20 to 30 point win for Ireland. And then even that just gets us on to the next phase more than kind of making any sort of decisions or anything like that You mentioned the offloading stats at the start there like I saw a lot of people will have saw that that Ireland bottom of the, the table with over 50 uh, uh, I think possessions um, before offloading and I think France are in something like 16 or something like that I don't have the numbers offhand but it's close enough to that a lot of analysis you know during the week we spoke to Malcolm O'Kelly straight after the game who said it, and I saw a lot of places afterwards that this isn't in our DNA almost to offload now you know, against Italy, you would almost see it. It just feels to me like the game is changing slightly in the last couple of years. It's, you know, defences are a lot harder to break down. What we're doing isn't working anymore. We're very predictable. We're easy to defend against, I would argue. You you would know better than me. So how easy would it be for us to say, right, okay, the game has moved on. This is what we have to do. They're all very, very good international rugby players. We're not talking about people learning from, from school on. These are the cream of the crop in this country. Can we just change our style and do that? Or is this something that's just been built in us and we have to go back to, you know, David Nusifora has to organise, you know, schools rugby to be taught in a different way and 20 years down the line we'll see the fruits. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned David Nusifora there, like, because, you know, I think large parts of the squad that are currently in Ireland, um, you know, Andy Farrell has more or less inherited the Irish squad from... Nusifora and Joe Smith, you know, mm. some of the players that have been brought in um, have been Nusifora's doing. Um, but I, I, just to go back, just to go back on, on what you're talking about there, I think offloading is vitally important because defences are 
through much more organized, um, so much more physical. And if you just keep trucking the ball up, there's a there's a line of defense there ready to go again. Truck the ball up, line of defense ready to go again. But if you get the offload away and you can kind of get in behind, then you can suck more players in because if a half a tackle is broken, then another man has to come in from that defensive line and make a tackle. Then you start shortening the line. When you're retreating, it's a lot more difficult. So I think offloading is key to try and, and get Ireland uh, with a, a bit more momentum in their attack. I think it's six offloads in two games, if mm. my memory serves me right, that they've had. And there's so many questions over this, Mick, because Mike Cat was the one who came in and said that they're going to become a more offloading team and they're going to play with more flair, more heads up, um, and that hasn't happened. So the reason we're all talking about this is because the coaches were trying to play a little bit differently. But if Joe Smith was still in charge, we wouldn't be talking about the offloads. We wouldn't be mm. talking about the um, the way they're attacking at times because that's that was his approach. Um, they just did things a little bit better when when, when they seemed to be working under him. So, yeah. yeah um, personally, uh, the offloading is, is key, and, and France have shown that, that they're – they're leading the stats, and and even Italy at times, their offloading is is pretty good, uh, and they're able to make half line breaks, which ultimately uh, gets the, the defense retreating. But the idea that we're just not able to do it or we're not built to do it is is, is kind of wrong, isn't it? Like, I mean, you see Leinster do it when they're at their best. I was watching randomly. Don't even ask me why. Watching the 1985 Triple Crown team, or whatever, and those lads were offloading to bait the band. I know it was a completely different sport, but it's not as if it's just like this thing that isn't Irish to do. That it, you know, it's not in our DNA. That's well, nonsense, isn't it? If you run straight into somebody, it's impossible to offload. Yeah. Like and and like so, CJ Stander. You have to be on your arm. He, yeah. he just he just runs straight into people. Like, but that's fair enough. There's no footwork pre-contact to try and get on a half shoulder, and that's why you know, uh, Keelan Doris is, is I think vital going forward to this Ireland team is because. As soon as he catches the ball, he, he can get away from that defender and get his arms free. And, um, you know, we all just seem to get the ball, put the head down and truck it up. And it's just about recycling the ball, recycling the ball. But as we sh- was showed against England last year away in Twickenham uh, or in the last Six Nations, you can do that all day and you're just going to get smashed back because the yeah. defences are so on top. So, yeah, like offloading is a skill in itself. Um the best offloaders are the ones that get in behind the tackle. So how do you get in behind the tackle? Use footwork or use brute force and run over people. And at the minute, we're doing neither. Okay. That's that's an interesting way of looking at it, actually. It isn't just a case of taking the tackle and fecking it over your head or whatever. It has to be done in a, in a, in a proper way. Um, talking about uh, the performance last week, though, briefly, before we move on, and, and, and talk about the other games, which are far more interesting this week, let's face it. And, and, you know, but like, again, we're talking about this. Ireland weren't far off winning both of those games. I think it was sort of, I watched back the fans game and, you know, Johnny Sexton mentioned yesterday that maybe we should have had a couple of penalties in that last, um, in that last phase, I suppose, when they were trying to get up and score a penalty and Ireland were ultimately going backwards. Maybe that's the case. I don't think we deserve to win either game, really, especially considering that we did have 14 men for a reason in the first game against Wales, but we could have won both. They're not defending too badly. They're playing well with possession, but again, it is just that attack that is just not clicking and they're not doing anything right. You've mentioned many of the reasons why. One of the things we keep hearing about from the players, from the coaches is that, you know, oh, 
you know, we're doing a lot of the things right and we're not seeing the fruition quite yet. Do you see any evidence of that? Do you see any, you mentioned my cat earlier. Do you see any evidence that there's actually a plan here beyond what we're seeing with our eyes, which is one phase running up the middle, standing start, and then hitting a, chucking a wide every four or five plays, phases? Um, bits and pieces. Like, I think against Wheels in the Autumn Nations Cup, there was parts of that game that I was like, well, oh, geez, you know, here we go. We're, we're seeing Ireland open up teams a, a bit more. Um, their physicality was was top drawer. Um, one concern for me, and I've had a, a good, one of my friends who, who's actually an agent at the minute, we would chat at length, length every single weekend. Uh, sorry, every single day of the week about <laughs> rugby. Um, and something, he, he, he was a coach and still is a coach actually at the minute up in, up in Belfast. And one of the things that we both agreed on is that they don't Ireland don't seem to identify opposition's weaknesses. So when I when I say that there, it's about identifying who is the weakest defender in the French team. So there's like not everybody's gonna run around like Gail Fiku and target the ball and absolutely smash you back. A couple of those front rowers are very poor tacklers. So it's about coming up with plays coming up with multi-phase plays that you can isolate those certain players. And that's one thing that Joe Smith was a master of. He seemed to be able to do that with ease, with starter plays, um, with the old trail play with Dragon, the 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 10 defender out, and then the ball back inside. We all remember how that started with the Rob Carney break against Claremont in the European Cup back in 2010, 11, or whenever that was. And, you know, I think that's where Ireland are at the minute. They're just going through the motions, um, just hoping that a bit of individual play will will get them on an edge or will get them over a gain line. Um, and like surely tactically, they're working on things, um, you know, every single week in training. But for me, I just don't see them being able to isolate weaknesses in the opposition for their advantage um, to make those half line breaks, um, to to score those tries that we've seen uh, in the Grand Slam. Uh, the cider and Twickenham when um, CJ Standard, you know, got the yeah. ball out of time. Like, there, there hasn't been any of that, and and, and that's that for me is the worrying thing. Like, you know, it's all well and good going through fifty phases and then, you know, getting a half line break and scoring a try. I, I want to see uh, a little bit more. There, there has mm. to be a little bit more. Uh, and at the minute, yeah. um, uh, well, for me, for you, for everybody that's sitting watching at home, when you break the game down. There, there just isn't that level of detail at the minute. Yeah, and like, I mean, even if you, you talk about like maybe targeting someone, Ireland clearly targeted Dulan in the first 20 minutes and it it clearly wasn't going to work. You know what I mean? He was having the game of his life. What do you do? Do you adapt? Is there, so, is there a plan B there? So on and so forth. I saw somebody else saying that like Billy Burns, um, not, not necessarily his fault, but there was obviously a plan to kick off certain phases and that Ireland were showing an inability to adapt to situations. So it was a couple of times off the line out in an empty stadium as well, where you should be very easily able to communicate. There was more on than there should have been. Everything changes, but the out half who can't see everything that's happening on the field in an instant, you know, puts the ball up and, 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 and chances are wasted. I don't know if you get a sense. It's 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 difficult when you're we're all watching on TV and we're not at the games. But do you get a sense that maybe there isn't this sort of I don't know whether it's a, it's a loud presence on the pitch who's kind of telling people what's what or they're able to adapt to the situation or that like it, it's weird because we're asking what the game plan is, 
but then we're also wondering are they able to adapt and go off script a little bit as well yeah. and i think that's probably one of the problems is that we've gone off script far too much over okay. the last in the first two games um i know certain people in the media world have been doing analysis and, and, and looking at starter plays and looking at the first four or five phases and you know different men carrying the ball that probably should be rocking and you know it's those small small details that you have to get right like rugby is a simple game and i said this last week i was doing an interview it's a it's a simple game like you got to win the collisions but what like i haven't seen ireland run a five-man line out absolutely steamroll one of the back rowers up the middle of the pitch get round the corner and carry in the traffic as hard as you can get another gain line get round the corner again and go right we're coming at you once again mm. that collision and then all of a sudden you go right hold on a second We've got a few options here now. There hasn't been that. Like, why? Why? No. Why haven't we seen this? And that—that's why I'm just watching the games going. Everybody seems to be running around. Listen, you can't—you can't fault the effort. You know, people are getting on their bikes, they're getting themselves back up off the ground, they're making their tackles. But it's the level of clarity in everything that they're doing just seems to be five percent off from what we've all been used to. And maybe with what we've been used to, Mick, is the problem. Maybe we're all used <laughs> to seeing uh, Ireland teams in the in the four or five years uh, previous to that doing extremely well and always been in the mixer when it comes to winning championships. And maybe we've all just got too used to that. But at the same time, you got to set your your standards extremely high, as I'm sure they all do. Like. Um, you know, the, the lads are going to walk into that Six Nations to try and win it. They're not going in there to, to, to just work on their attack for five games. <laughs> they're, they're going in to try and win something. So, yeah, I think a, a level of clarity um, is certainly something that, you know, they need to identify for themselves going forward. Yeah. Are you disappointed there isn't um, some new names in the team? I saw you talking yeah. about Gavin Coombs, which was an yeah. interesting one. And every time you see Munster, he seems to get better. And there seems to be a good few of those kind of guys at the moment in the four provinces. And we don't have a huge player pool and we don't have a huge amount of teams. And maybe we can't be like everybody else where we let somebody get three years of club rugby under the belt before we... Yeah. we... Well, why, Mick? Why, mm. why do you have to go on and earn your stripes for three years? Like, yeah. before you get an international call-off. Like, that is... Excuse my friends, bullshit. Like it's, and then people talk about, oh yeah, lots of lads have been given opportunity. Uh, you know, Andy Farrell's capped a lot of guys and and everything else. Um, like Eddie O'Sullivan gave me my first cap when I was twenty one years of age. Luke Fitzgerald, the age of eighteen or nineteen. Um, Jimmy Heaslip, age twenty twenty one. Like the, there are lads there, in my own opinion, that deserve to be in the mix for international selection, and. Uh, like you know, John Cooney was exceptional again. Like I was covering yeah. the game on 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 Friday. Speaking of offloads, on, on yeah, speaking of offloads on Friday night, he he was brilliant, and he got off to a rocky start. And I think that's something that I like about him is that not everything always goes his way. Um, the first five ten minutes, knocked a couple of balls on at the base of a rock, things weren't going his way, and then all of a sudden he comes comes into life. Um, he was he's always on that trail line anyway for the ball back inside, and I think it was a more a bit of a, a no look pass to Michael Larry who scored onto the post, and he was the heartbeat of everything in that second half. Um, so yeah, like th there are players there that for me can certainly come in and do a job, but are we going to see them, Mick? And at the minute, that answer is no because it's the same squad, uh, more or less that was uh, selected for the last game that's going to be uh, wheeled out this weekend.
Yeah, so you'd imagine that would be it then. If they're not going to be brought in for the Italy game, you probably won't see them for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, uh, we presume Ireland will win. We'll get predictions um, at the end um, with the spreads and everything like that or whatever you want to go with. But uh, the other two games are eminently more interesting just as from a general rugby point of view. I said to you at the start of the uh, Six Nations, definitely not as a joke, I definitely meant that it was pure analysis, that there was just like Wales to go and win a Grand Slam from this position, and they're two out of two, and God only knows how they are so far. They're going to go and beat England. Now, England are going to get three men sent off in the first five minutes, and Wales will beat them by one point. Guarantee it. I, I just, uh, it baffles me, like, sometimes. But here, fair play to Wales, like, you know, fair, fair play to them. They... They've got better. Yes, they've got better. Um, I think Scotland thought they were the All Blacks in the second half of that match uh, against Wales, but they, they just hang in there. Like, yeah, just something about them. They just never go away. Um, they wait for a mistake or two, and then they're able to ramp that up when they get into the opposition 22. And, you know, they scored a couple of nice tries in that game. And, um, I fully expected Scotland to go on and, and kick on in that second half, and they just didn't. Now, the red card, another red card. Everybody's saying that Wales only need another three red cards to win a grand slam. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. But you got to give them credit. Um, there's so many games that went against the odds. Uh, Mick, it's been so hard to call, and I think a lot of that has been down to the new fans. It seems to be the old home and away advantage is out the window at the minute. Yeah. Um, out of the six games that have already been played, four out of the six have been uh, won by the underdog. So, and of course, those other two games are being at Italy. So, you know, mm. the main games are being won by the underdog. It's a seven-point handicap in this match, and I think in the in the previous four games that I talked about there, um, it's been a, a one-score game in all of them. So, like you would expect that the bookies there have got it bang on, and um, that at seven points, um, wheels are at home. You know, they, they perform really well in the Principality Stadium and it wouldn't surprise me if, if they pulled off another shock. Like, mm. uh, But, you know, England, I'm sure, will have something to say about that. Yeah, all joking aside from England's point of view, they've been poor in both games, really. And we talked about them. We talked about, you know, Eddie Jones, like speaking of evolving attacking game plans, there, there doesn't seem to be one with England, but obviously the talent is there and, you know, the Saracens lads have more minutes under their belts and so on and so forth. But if they don't go out and take care of Wales this weekend, regardless of how well Wales have done, we're thinking this is like now a serious, real decline for England. I think this is, a, it's it's amazing how much you, you can forgive them the last two weeks, but this one is the real test. They're sort of like, if they don't win here and win maybe not comfortably on the scoreboard, but when playing well, then you're like, Jesus, England are the spent force. Yeah, and it's hard to disagree with that. I think looking back in the Autumn Nations Cup, there was so much about the, the style of rugby that they were playing. Like, it was awful. It was so it was brutal. Like, I'd rather watch Zebra versus Treviso, like, uh, on a Friday night. Um, it, it was so, so poor. But they were getting the results. And then all of a sudden, France, who had what twenty changes out of that squad of twenty-three in the last in the in the final, the Autumn Nations Cup, give them a, a a real scare. And yes, they granted they won that game, but they they ha- I expected them. You know that was the back, kick up the backside that they needed to go right. We need to um, expand our game plan here. We need to upper physicality. We need to start dominating the set piece, like we all know England can uh, from the past. And, and, and they sort of haven't, like, they've sort yeah. of been stumbling around a bit. And if they don't win on wheels, like, they're, they're big favourites. If they don't win on wheels, 
Um, Eddie Jones will come under huge pressure, and rightly so. And they're putting all this stuff out uh, in, in the media, uh, you know, behind the scenes sort of stuff. You know, the, the front row gang and um, you know back row gang and all this carry on, and they're, they're sort of letting people in to, to see what the personalities of players are like. Um, and it seems to be it seems to be backfiring massively, like because you know they, they talk all these players up, and then they go out and play the the next week and they play crap <laughs> um you're kind of going all oh, right i wonder if they're going to release something this week but yeah they're going to come under huge pressure for some reason i feel that england are going to win this mm. i think just when it comes to that scrum that they could eat a few penalties get them into a good field position and expect expect farrell to, to kick a, a little bit less um and um you know give themselves more opportunities they do have some cracking finishers like you know on, on the wings and i'd love to see johnny may anthony watson um get their hands on the ball a lot more so yeah we might see it's a big big old pitch at the principality um hopefully we see a bit more run rugby in that game yeah absolutely it'd be definitely good to see um and then the sunday's game should be the most intriguing unfortunately we're not 100 percent sure it's going to go ahead yet obviously with all the the french covid cases good news yesterday and that they had no new cases anyway so i think a decision is going to be made on that later today um unless it's been made since we've been on air but uh let's take it as as the fact that it's being played this is an intriguing one isn't it like uh, france weren't overly impressive in Dublin, but like a great win for them, something that they haven't done in a long time. And Scotland just being Scotland, you know, like if it, you're probably playing better when they went down to 40 men, so it's hard to necessarily blame that. But you know, it was just like everything was going a little too well for them, so they decided time for a little implosion here, folks, or we wouldn't be us. Yeah, like that was a great game, wasn't it? Like, it was the fantastic. Scotland Welsh game was, was, was brilliant. Um, some end to end rugby, too. Uh, Reece Summit was was on fire of course he got the, the player of the match award um but yeah it, it, it's it's a big game and uh yeah i just like france because they came to dublin didn't really play particularly well but they got the result it always always looked like they had an, another gear um to, to to put the gear stick into and um yeah they, they got a convincing enough win and i said i think i said when it was on the pod with you or on the uh show with you guys a couple of weeks ago like France were favourites coming to, coming to Dublin, and they seem to have this favourites tag on them a lot these days, and they're relishing that. Um, you know, it doesn't seem to phase them, and you know they're obviously favourites against. But I know it's a smaller margin because of the players that are going to be missing. But uh, I feel that they can beat Scotland. Scotland still have these errors in their game, or that 10, 15 minutes, as you rightly uh, alluded to there, where they just you know implode and. Um, things don't go their way, so yeah, I fancy France uh, to keep this uh, this going. Um, and you know they're playing a great brand of rugby at times. You know uh, they made they, like they made a lot of mistakes against Ireland. They, mm. they gave them, them a lot of ball, uh, but Ireland just couldn't do too much with it. Um, but yeah, they're exciting to watch when they're in full flow. Definitely, yeah. And this actually, and so are Scotland. So this is going to be one of the one definitely. If it goes ahead, will be the game of the weekend, I would imagine, on Sunday. So what are we looking at then, uh, if you were to have a, your use your one euro free bet on Ladbrokes uh, over the course of the weekend? Um, it's, it's Honestly, Mick, it changes so much. Like I, I think as the week progresses, obviously from the French camp, we'll, we'll get a better understanding of yeah. the team sheets. 
Um, anybody that's sticking on a, a couple of quid, like I, you know, always wait for the team sheets. Um, look look at the weather, um, and uh, you know, see, just gauge it from there. But for, for me, calling it at the minute, I'd be calling an, an England win. Um, which what's England win price two to five? Um, I think so. There, Shane might have it actually be able to to pop it up. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, there we go. Yeah, England are. Um, well, 40 four to 11. eleven, yeah, yeah. 11. Well, it was four to one there. I was getting excited for a second. <laughs> four to eleven, um, and then yeah, uh, the Irish game like oh, that's twenty-two points. Like <laughs> it's a good know. handicap. They know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, they they know what they're at. And a, a lot even if you are putting a couple of quid on is is the draw on the handicap. Like it's usually twenty. It was twenty-five to one last mm. year. I think it's down to twenty to one on a draw on the handicap. Um, even the Ulster match there the weekend against Glasgow was six point handicap, ended up six points in the game. Uh, Monster was very, very close as well. So that's always worth looking at the draw on the handicap. Um, and of course, you get frightening odds for that. Uh, but the bookies are never too far away. I'm going to go for an England win, 40 11. At the minute, that might change in team sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go Ireland to pull some magic. From somewhere and beat that handicap of twenty-two points at uh, ten to eleven. Okay, I like it. We'll be back. Um, well, we a couple of weeks, obviously, because we've the other the other week off then, and it's going to yeah. be a race to the end then after that. But Steve, enjoy the games this weekend, and thanks a million Cheers, for thanks. joining us. Uh, of course, if you are having a bet on anything at all over the course of the week, including the Six Nations, please do gamble responsibly. Visit dunlewy.net for more information. We'll be back with more build-up tomorrow. We're going to do our second episode of The Road to Cheltenham, um, our look ahead to the Cheltenham Festival, picking two of the big races of the week, including the Champion Hurdle this week. So join us for that tomorrow, and we'll be back with more build-up next week. We'll be talking some football with Kevin Boyle. Talk to you soon. <laughs>